from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Every race has winners. Come get your share. This is the Press Box. And it's neck and neck in the home stretch. The jockeys are tiny. The horses are big. Suspiciously big. Unnaturally big. Well, let's just say if you like your performance enhanced, we've got you covered. With Grady and Bischoff. Dramatically fewer fixed races. Not none, but that's why they call it gambling. On ESPN Las Vegas. We don't foresee any problems, but we'll admit it was a last-minute decision that didn't get discussed with the whole team. Is that your work? Oh. I want to give him credit. I thought that was the, the new open, though. No, that wasn't me. That was Jared. It just doesn't uh, get used a whole lot. Good job, Jared. Wherever you are. Who knows where Jared is? <laughs> is he here? Working? I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah, see he's him. he's here. Is he? he I, yeah, I believe so, because he asked me about 30 minutes ago if I was here, and I, as soon as I texted him yes, he said, it's all right, I saw you. So he, that's, he's that's around. Just he's, he's lurking around somewhere. Well, wait a minute. He just saw you, but you didn't see him. <laughs> yeah, he's just lurking around. He probably saw me through the window or something. <laughs> okay, this is getting weird. <laughs> we have seen if people don't realize Jared has to work another show, but we have seen Jared walking back and forth a lot outside the window. Are we sure he's actually working the other show, or he's just wandering <laughs> no. around, <laughs> wandering now looking for Danny behind corners? <laughs> A little oh, weird. Man. A little weird. I don't know where he is. I don't ask questions though. No, we do not. We don't. We don't want to know the answers. <laughs> Let's be honest. The first bite. How did the Warriors win without without Curry playing so well? I don't know why. Because I was thinking about this last night. Because you made a good point yesterday of how the Celtics would win. Uh, Live ball turnovers, they had 65, I think. They just can't win. Um, Tatum shooting well, which, you know, I thought Tatum played a lot better. But then you said, you know, Curry doesn't play well, and he didn't play well, and they still won the game. So on the Golden State side, the the fascinating part to me is that Steve Kerr basically decided in the first quarter, and for the majority of the game, too, to go away from the Steph Curry pick and rolls. For almost right, this entire right. series, they have just gone curry pick and roll over and over and over. Zach Lowe wrote a story, I think in game four, they ran as many as like 49 Steph 49, Curry yep. pick and rolls. I don't know what the number is from last night, but I'm guessing it's like 15. Like they just did not go to the curry pick and roll as often. And the reason for that, I think, is because through four games, Steph Curry was playing incredible, but everybody else for Boston was basically a non-factor on offense. Nobody else on this team was really doing for much. the Warriors. The, yeah, for the Warriors. The Warriors were not the Warriors. The Warriors had become basically the Mavericks, where they give Luke, Luke a high ball. ball screen and yeah. let him go to work. That's essentially what the Warriors had been for four games. And I think Steve Kerr decided, hey, uh, we need to get we need to get back to what we are. And so there were a lot of Andrew Wiggins ball screens. There were a lot of Clay Thompson ball screens. There was a lot of off ball screens for Curry and Thompson and Wiggins. And they basically said. We're going to put Curry in the corner more often. We're not going to make Curry the focal point of the offense. We're going to let Andrew Wiggins attack Derek White or whoever was guarding him. And Andrew Wiggins was phenomenal. He was in that terrific. Game. I mean, terrific. he attacked the paint and finished in the paint. Yeah. I mean, he ends up with 26 points and 13 rebounds. Clay Thompson was good with 21 points, made half of his shots. Gary Payton. And they got 15 from Payton and 14 from yeah. Poole. Like, they got the other guys to actually produce offensively. And I think, to me, it was more about Steve Kerr and the Warriors deciding, well, we're just not going to go 
heavy Steph Curry pick and roll and see if we can win that way. And they got off to a fast start in the first quarter. Boston had a pretty good second quarter. Boston crushed them in the third, and then they blew them out in the fourth. So I think it was more about just a change in how they wanted to attack Boston's defense rather than let Boston basically dictate, hey, you're getting a Steph Curry pull-up three or you're getting nothing. Did I hear correctly? He's never not missed a. Th- he's never not made a three in his playoff career. Was it? He had like a streak of a hundred something games. Okay. I don't. I, right. I don't know if that covers all of his postseason games or okay. not. But he had a ridiculous streak of like a hundred and twenty something games. Where he had at least one. Yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense when yeah, you've watched Steph shooter. Curry, but right. it still is sort of insane that he's never had that game right. where he goes zero for nine from three point range. It's pretty ridiculous that he's never done that before, and he did it last night. But here's the other key. Golden State, yeah, give them some credit. They changed how they wanted to attack. Andrew Wiggins was great. The other role players showed up and knocked down some shots. Boston was awful. That was pathetic for game five of the NBA Finals. Jalen Brown, as much crap as Draymond Green has gotten for playing poorly in this series, what the hell was that from Jalen Brown? He shot five of 18, had five turnovers. He just would miss shots at the rim. He would pull up from 18 feet off the dribble with like 16 on the shot badly and just clank it off the side of the rim. Just gave the ball away half the time. There was one play Draymond trips with the balls laying on the ground. Jalen Brown just jumps on top of him and gets called for a foul. Like you can't just jump on top of people because they're on the ground. Jalen Brown was terrible. Jason Tatum was good for three quarters, then disappeared in the fourth quarter. Couldn't hit the rim on half his shots. In the fourth quarter, they had 18 turnovers. Like we've known that's been a problem forever. This entire postseason, they've had turnover problems shows up again. They started the game. Oh, of 12, they were three horrible to start. Um, They they were terrible to start, which you were. I I was surprised at because it's game five. It's a critical game. You just lost at home and they were brutal to start. They also missed 10 free throws. And like you said yesterday, man, their turnovers are awful live ball turnovers. They don't get any turnovers that you're like, okay, the Warriors can't get transition right. out of it. It's very they don't throw strange. it out of bounds. They don't no, they throw, they don't it, out throw it out of bounds. They throw it to the other team. Right, and it's, it's a two-on-none break like, yes. every time. Like, that was awful from Boston. Like, I, you can give the Warriors credit, but I think that was more about the Celtics just being terrible last night. Because you you cannot have Jalen Brown, who should be the second best player on this Celtics team, and he's had good games in the finals. He cannot be that bad and continue to force it. Like, that was the other problem. Like, he wasn't very good to start, and he kept shooting. Right. There was no, oh, I better I'm look not for a different very well. shot I better, yeah, or exactly. look for somebody look for else. else. It was, nope, this 15-footer is going up whether or not right. I've been making shots before or not. That was terrible. From Boston, like that, that was a pathetic game five from a Boston Celtics team. And the part about the Celtics, I don't get how can a team that we both thought was going to win the title still might win the title is well, they're not going to win it in six. Like I said, that'd be great if they did. They're still (laughs) two wins away from winning the title. They've been, you know, one of the better teams in the NBA since February. They've crushed a bunch of teams. How can that team? who we know is good and we've seen play really well. How can they have so many bad games in the postseason? Because they did this with Milwaukee. They did this with Miami and they're doing it again with golden state where they just two or three times in every one of these series, they just suck. Like they just don't belong in any of these series. Do you give any credit to the defensive uh, approach that golden state and others have had? 
I thought Golden State, I mean, Golden State's a good defensive team. So here's the main key, I think, in this series for Golden State defensively is that Boston has not made shots like in the paint. Golden State's done a really good job taking away shots right at the rim. The Celtics have not gotten many like dunks or layups. No, they're all they're all jumpers. But they have got the Celtics have gotten to the paint. They've gotten you know within five, six, seven feet or whatever, and that's still a good shot. It's not bad when you shoot from five, six, seven feet away. But Boston can't make shots from there. Some of it is Golden State's defense, right? Draymond Green blocked a Jalen Brown shot from like five feet away. It was it was a great defensive play, right? A lot of that is good defense. But some of it's just the Celtics can't can't make a shot. I mean, there was one. Uh, it was it was Jalen Brown had Steph Curry switched on him, drives to the rim, and like Curry did a good job not to give up like an open layup at the rim, but it was still Jalen Brown going over Steph Curry from like five feet away, and missing and missed. And it's like you you have to make that shot. You get Curry switched onto you, and you get within five right, feet. You and have there's to make it. No other defender right. contesting your shot. That's got to be two points. So. A lot of the, yeah, Golden State, again, they deserve some credit, but a lot of this series with their defense has been about Boston just missing those shots within five, seven, eight feet, something like that. They just cannot score in that range well, in this series. Then it's over. If they continue to do that. Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, it, it's, we've seen it for five games. It's hard to believe it's going to change for the last two. It's hard to believe that they can get the way they've, I know they won, I know they won one there, but the last few games in San Francisco, I, just, I find it hard to believe that they're going to win there again. I think they force a game seven. I do too. I think they win yeah. Thursday. I think and, they win Thursday. And then have to go like, back. Do you really think seven? they have to go back? And or Do you think they could go back and win? Yeah, I mean, I think they can. Uh, obviously, the odds are against them because right. they got to do it twice in a row. But I, yeah, I, they could. But it's the the problem is, is that we've seen. Good Boston, bad Boston, and they seem to alternate. And they and, alternate, exactly. And I mean, this is the first time they've lost back-to-back games in the postseason. Since first time they've lost back-to-back since March. Yeah, so it's sort of a new territory for a Boston team that hasn't done that in a long time, and it could be the reason they end up losing. I do want to ask you this on Jason Tatum, who, again, did not play well in the fourth quarter after having three pretty good quarters. Josh Dubow tweeted out this stat. Uh, most minutes played in the postseason past 10 seasons. LeBron in 2013 played 960 minutes. Jason Tatum this year has played 943. He looked it in the fourth quarter. As long as he doesn't like get hurt, he's going right. to get uh, go past LeBron James's 960. If this goes seven, he's got a chance to uh, play over a thousand, thousand minutes, minutes, which hasn't happened since 2005 when Rip Hamilton and Tayshawn Prince both did it for the Pistons. Has he just simply played too much basketball in the last month that he's not going to be fresh enough to finish out games? Well, like I said, I thought he looked – some of those shots were tired in the fourth, but do they think they can win without him? No, and that's the I part. Mean, that's, he's, they just don't think they can win without him, so they're going to say, you got to go. I think he played 44 minutes last night, so he got four minutes to, to Are sit. they thinking there's enough rest in between? Because as we've said, like all of yeah. a sudden last night there's a game on Monday and they don't play again until Thursday, so they're probably thinking, well – Let's play him, and then he gets three days. But that doesn't help you in the fourth quarter when the guys played the entire game. Right, and that's – so if you just look at minutes last night, Andrew Wiggins played 42. He's the only Warrior that played 40 over 40 plus. minutes. Meanwhile, both Tatum and Brown were over 44. And I wonder if there is – is there a way for Boston to steal some minutes into the first, mm-hmm. sometime in the second, four minutes in the third with – one with those guys on the bench, not both of them. You stagger them or whatever, but can they steal some minutes at some point for Jason Tatum not to where play like they did in the first last night? Yeah, to where Tatum plays thirty eight minutes instead of forty four. Right. 
I don't know. I mean, I if you would have told me Steph Curry's going to play that poorly, I would have thought, yeah, Jason Tatum can sit right. on the bench for quite a while and they'll be perfectly fine. But I maybe if they get out to a big lead in the first, there's a little bit more of a leash for uh, Udoka to put Tatum on the bench for five minutes in the second quarter or something like that. But well, they might be able to do that Thursday. I don't know if they can do that back in San Francisco. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. You're not. You're not feeling good about your game seven. Or your, your well, I'm not feeling. Pick. I'm really feeling bad right now about Celtics and six. <laughs> <laughs> if they can do that, they're the all-time greatest team oh, in the history of basketball. It'd be, it'd be impressive. impressive if they what would they have six. to have a game forfeited along the way? We can have the war- the Warriors yes. use an ineligible player. Look or back something? and 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 someone shouldn't have been on the floor. Like Iguodala was Iguodala was ineligible. Yeah, he's not an active player. Why or is something he on the like floor? That? And they go back and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Take that game away." What would they do? Would they actually forfeit a game like that, or would they make them replay it? I hope they'd forfeit, so then my six games might come into play here. Horrible, I'd rather, horrible prediction by I'd me. rather them play it so we can see Game 5, 2.0. <laughs> play Pretty it fun. again? Yeah. All right, I know you guys are in Boston. Get on the plane. Go back to California. <laughs> We're playing Game 5 again. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Raiders because they canceled practice yesterday. I mean, this this offense has has a ton of potential. We got players all over that have made plays and have have done a great job and been doing it for a long time now. Um, but the potential is is nothing until you put the work in, and we still got a long way to go. So we um you know we're climbing right now, doing all the right things and um you know learning a new scheme and all of that. But um you know don't really matter till you till you go out there and really put it together. So um you know Darren is is a, a hell of an athlete. You know, we talked about Hunter. You know, we got Josh. We got a, a lot of running backs, too. You know, it's a, a lot of guys in there. I'm excited to see what Amir does. A lot of guys that, that can go, um, you know, make plays and give this this offense the potential to explode. But um, it ain't going to just happen because we're standing out there. So we got to put that, you know, keep stacking the days and, and put the work in. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Ed was not supposed to be here today, but the Raiders canceled practice yesterday, which means Ed is here, um, which I, I enjoy. I told Adam Candy that Josh McDaniels canceled him yesterday. That yes. Was, that was the real answer. Did they cancel practice as like a reward because they had been so good? That's what I understand. Okay. I, I just assumed it was canceling practice so the media couldn't watch him one more day. That could be a 50-50 <laughs> remark. That could be 50-50. It could be that they were so good. Josh McDaniel said, I'm going to give you the off, and I don't want those binocular people back <laughs> until training camp. And then we'll still stick them over there, and they can use their binoculars then. So three three weeks, is that right? Before uh, they're back? Rookies on the 18th, um, everyone on the 19th. Okay. So. Week early because um, week early than everyone else other than Jacksonville. Oh, boy. You're looking at me like I remember who they're playing in the Hall of Fame they game. They're playing the Hall of Fame game. I that think sounds right, but it could it could be anybody. It could be a college team, and I'd be like, yep, that makes sense. Danny? So. <laughs> Jacksonville. <laughs> Hall you of Fame game. You feel confident that it's Jacksonville. I do. I should know that. Do they always put teams with new coaches in it? Is that the go-to go-to strategy there? I don't know anything about the Hall of Fame game. Ah, you're going to know a lot about the Hall of Fame game this year. Wait, are you going to it? I am not. Oh, look at you. You got to you wait, you got to go where? To Pittsburgh on Christmas? I know. I know. But you got out of the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio? Yes. Ah, look at you. Hall of Fame game 2022. Look at this. Did either of you find out who they're playing yet? Las Vegas Raiders will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look at you. You knew it all along. Nobody had to Google anything. We're good to go. I, I was guessing. 
No Urban Meyer. That's disappointing. Would you have gone if Urban Meyer was still the head coach? No, I don't think I would would have. You could have completely ignored the Raiders and just written about the Jags. It's an expensive trip for a a uh, non-regular season game. I bet it is. It is. Oh, well, believe me, everything is nowadays with gas. You should have seen some of these prices on these flights. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just outrageous, some of these flights. Where are you flying to? Places like Nashville. Oh, you're booking like, them for the football season. Yes, places like Kansas City. How, how, okay, how much is it to fly to Nashville? Uh, we over- right now today, because yeah. I, I booked it a while ago. Right now today, uh, I had someone check the other day, six something. Oh my god! It, it's it's and that's on Southwest. <laughs> it's I mean, and Danny's saying yes. It's it's the flights are outrageous right now. I just paid uh, four hundred for a flight to Raleigh in August. That seems cheap. Getting across the country <laughs> for 400 bucks. Look yeah, at you go. It's on Southwest, though. Yeah, so. getting across the country. <laughs> Look at you. Boy, Danny, you got some special stuff. I That's thought my right. frequent flyers was getting me good. Uh, <laughs> I thought my rapid reward was getting me good uh, uh, prices. Man, good for you. You need Danny's uh, frequent yeah, flyer exactly. over here. I do. Okay, let me ask you this question, too. We heard Devontae Adams talking there, and he was said he was excited about all the players they had and named some of them, but was excited about the running backs room. And he named two guys, Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. Should we read anything into him Where's naming Kenyon Drake? Two players there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is Zamir White gonna have a big role this year? I think he is. So here okay, we if you go back and look at the Patriots over the last decade or whatever it's been, I don't remember the exact uh, carry split, but we we sort of looked at this earlier in the summer that normally the Patriots on a year to year basis they have like a number one running back who gets roughly 60% of the carries. And then they have a number two running back who gets about 40% of the carries. And then they have a pass catching back who soaks up the majority of the passes. And the two, the two other running backs don't really get a whole lot of work in the passing game. Sometimes they've had like a secondary pass catching back that gets some action as well. If we're trying to assign those same roles, and maybe this is a bad way to do it because it's a new team and they might just approach it differently. But if we're trying to assign those same roles, is Jacobs the number one? Who I gets think Jacobs is one. 60% of the carries. Right. Who's the number two? I think it has every chance to be Zamir White. Which means your pass catcher is, is Kenyon Drake. Brandon Bolden. Oh, I didn't think of Brandon Bolden. Because I they brought him over from New England. That doesn't yeah, necessarily mean he's going to be on yeah, the roster. Exactly. But I'm I feel fairly confident Brandon Bolden's the pass catching back okay. on this team. Now, again, maybe he's not. Maybe he's, they're like, oh, this Kenyon Drake guy's actually good because Kenyon Drake is, what, two years removed from having, right. like, a 1,000-plus yards or something like that. I think he had 1,500 total receiving and rushing two years ago. So I, I don't know exactly how it plays out, but even in even in teams that go by a committee approach, which is that's effectively what that is, there's not usually room for four running backs until there's an injury and injuries happen at this position all the time. So conceivably the fourth guy will be in there at some point, but normally there's room for sort of a three player rotation. You have two guys that split the carries and then you have sort of a third down or a pass catching back and they've got four legitimate options. One of which they just drafted that I can't imagine they're going to cut after using a fourth round pick on there's probably no value in it, but it would be extremely beneficial if the Raiders could trade Josh Jacobs. Well, and when you talk about Zamir White also, if he's not number two, like you said, on the 
I don't know how much action he gets because the one thing he can't do or the one thing he didn't do in college was catch the ball out of the backfield. He wasn't very good at it at all. So he's either going to be, well, again, if they trade Josh Jacobs and the one spot's open, I mean, I guess it could be Zamir White. But if he's not that two guy, he's he's maybe the odd man out. I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't either, Uh, which will be interesting to see how many running backs they carry. Because the other other part of the conversation is – they are going to carry a fullback, right? Not all teams yes. carry fullback. Right. Some teams will carry an additional running back or an additional other position, but they're going to carry a fullback. So does that mean they're going to go one fullback, three running backs on the roster, active roster, or is there a scenario where they're going four running backs plus a fullback? And now you've got five backs, which active every week. Yeah. Which would seem excessive. That's a lot. So I'm I'm curious to see how that breaks down because there's, there's more players that should be on the active roster than will probably be on the active mm-hmm. roster at that running back spot, which is if you're the Raiders, it's a good a, problem to have right, because the way, and the other part of this, it could work itself out. We could get into August and one of these guys could be hurt because they're running backs and running backs get hurt. Even if they work inside for the entirety of the summer, but like if take Josh Jacobs, for example, if he were to get hurt in a preseason game, then okay, it's kind of worked its way out where Bolden, Drake, and Zamir White will be the main three that are getting the carries and or the catches. And whenever Josh Jacobs comes back, they'd have to figure it out. But it could work itself out because guys get hurt. But I am curious to see. And if you were going from a you know best case asset management scenario, you would be trading Jacobs away for something. But the problem is I don't think you're getting anything. For no. Josh Jacobs, I like in all seriousness. Could what you tra- what kind of pick would you get? Could you him trade him right now for just a seventh rounder? Seventh rounder? I don't know that you could because Jacobs is a running back with one year left on his deal. So anybody trading for him is you're either getting Jacobs for one season, which is not that much value, or you're having to then sign him right. to a second contract, which the Raiders didn't pick up his fifth right. year option. Like how many teams are going to want to give him a significant second contract? Probably not many. I mean, if he comes in and plays the majority of this season is healthy and has a big year, then possibly. But it's a running back who's missed games because he's been hurt and played through a lot more injuries as well mm-hmm. and hasn't really been. I know Vic Tafer wrote about it. His last two seasons, his longest carry was 28 yards. He does not have the sort of breakaway speed that, hey, no. I'm going to turn this. It's This is a 15-yard run, but I'm going to run past the safety and score a touchdown. That does not happen with Josh Jacobs. So it's it's a curious position that I'm curious to see how the Raiders approach it in terms of who gets the carries and the uh, and the touches throughout the year, but also who makes the roster to start because they drafted a running back and it wasn't exactly a high pick, but you still drafted one. And if Zamir White is going to be a part of this team in the future, you're not cutting that guy and maybe you sit and let him wait for a year, but do you really need to wait for a year to handle 40% of the carries? Probably not. So I'll be curious to see. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're on one. I lost count. Dishwasher watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to the distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code distract for a free month of Stitcher premium. David, how is the dishwasher? I don't feel like I've asked you in a couple weeks. Yeah, I, was, I thought I'd uh, gotten off the hook. I actually have news there. Uh, it's, it's not great news, Uh-oh. but it's news. Uh, so we are still without a super. Uh, we've, we've lost our <laughs> second one. Um, and the guy that's the acting super is going on vacation tomorrow. 
which is great. He works really hard. Uh, so I can't get anybody in here for another two weeks until he gets back. But I did get an appointment with a place, and I've gotten this far a few times, but this guy seemed more responsive, like he's answered the phone two times when I called as opposed to just doing it the first time. So uh, I don't want to jinx anything, uh, but I feel like July could be a really big month in this apartment. Uh-oh. Wow. Well, we don't dishwasher. need that. Dishwasher <laughs> yeah. functioning in July. We don't need this We've got half the segment done. I know. It's, it's going to be a very slow sports month otherwise, too. I mean, it's just going to be like regular season baseball. So I'll see if I can throw a couple extra curveballs in there. Yeah. Maybe something catches on fire. We'll come up with something. I, but, uh, yeah, hang in there. I tell you what. Can you schedule him to come out at this time when we talk to you Tuesday <laughs> at 1030? So oh, that- I'd love to get him, get him on there. Just get his number over yeah. to Jared so he can get phone. patched in on another line. Right. Yeah. And, and, and just, you know, you can just go do the interview while standing near him so we can hear him working in the background, too. Yep. That'll add a, add a good element to this show. Oh, yeah. This whole thing's got to come out. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> the listeners are going to love that as much as me. All right. Is Tony La Russa getting fired? I mean, probably should, right? I feel like it's the thing there is is Reinsdorf. I mean, like, Tony La Russa getting hired suggests that already, like, we're not dealing with anything but, like, what one very sentimental rich guy in his 80s wants to do. I mean, I think this is because that's, like, the story with La Russa, as I always understood it, was, like, obviously he's a Hall of Famer, he's had a great career, whatever, that, like, Reinsdorf's whole thing is that he feels bad about cutting him loose in like 1988, and he's just like still trying to make that right, which is great. It's just like I was 10 years old in 1988. Like <laughs> plenty of people that made mistakes then have moved on. If he's still waiting to figure this out, then like I, he could wait an indefinite period of time if that's really still what it is. But the team is a it's a hash. I mean, it just feels like it's that you know whatever the two strike intentional walk to Trey Turner and stuff like that. Like. And we talked about that last week. Like, it just feels like one of those things where, like, his mind is maybe, like, three outs behind where it needs to be now. And that's, like, you know, it's a shame in some ways. Like, it's not like LaRusa is experiencing any doubt or frustration about it. But uh, I'm sure that the fans are. Like, all the videos of those, like, different mistakes that he's made, there's always some guy, like, and it's clearly a different guy who's just like, Tony, what are you doing from the seats? (laughs) Which really adds like a great element to it. <laughs> like, it's like that video of the Jets uh, botching a decade's worth of draft picks where you can hear someone yelling, no, halfway through the name being announced. <laughs> That's like every White Sox game now, it seems like. And it, it, I'm with you. It's sad in the way that he also is so defiant uh, that no one would disagree with him. Yeah. That's the part of it. I was talking to some baseball writers about that move that hadn't like seen the, you know, sort of after game conversation about it where they were like, he's going to get so mad when anybody questions him about it. And he, he didn't even bother to get mad. He was just kind of like, what is this actually like a question that you're asking me here? Like, yeah, I walked a guy uh, when he had two strikes on him. Like anybody would do the same. Obviously you don't follow baseball. (laughs) Like it was like (laughs) the dismissiveness of it was somehow worse than him flying off the handle. Like, which is strange. It's like nobody, even the broadcasters, like, most hitters with two strikes, like their batting average is like 200 points lower than it would ordinarily be. Like this is not the sort of, it's not like a, a you know, higher math, the thing like this is arithmetic, like you're two thirds of the way there. Just give it a shot. But you described him as being three outs behind. And I think we need to hear that more. We always hear like, Oh, this guy's three outs ahead of the game, or he's looking into the future. <laughs> we need, we need more criticism of all oh, this guy's just a whole inning behind the actual game. 
Yeah, and I don't know that that's. I think that some of that is just a function of like being, you know, having been away from the game for a while and being a little bit older. It's like that, you know, especially like the way that the game has sort of changed since he was in it. You can't say that all of it's good, but there's definitely a lot of new thinking about stuff like this. That especially when you're Tony Larusa and like you just sort of like you know what you know, you know what you don't care to learn. Like there's just going to be a lot of stuff that he's not going to catch up with just on principle because he's like, oh, you know, that's for like that's for the kids. That's Aaron Boone stuff. I don't do that. Like I was alive when Lyndon Johnson was president, and that's like I respect it. It's just like you, you know. Sooner or later, uh, people are going to start yelling, what are you doing, Tony, at you everywhere you go. <laughs> uh, was the story of Joe Madden getting a mohawk to inspire the team but getting fired before he got to show the mohawk to the team the best baseball story of the week? It's incredible. I was hooting watching that. I mean, it's especially because it's like Madden is one of those guys that's gone this full circuit now from being like, you know, sort of a, a genius in Tampa Bay, and then he's like this leader of men in Chicago. And at this point, he's just kind of, uh, it's not like he's like a comic figure or whatever, because he'll get other jobs and he'll deserve them. But the idea that like you're at the stage in your career where you're getting gag haircuts and then like <laughs> just meeting with the owner with a mohawk on his head and his glasses and being like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I understand. Okay, well, obviously that's not what I want, but just <laughs> that conversation happening with a 50-something-year-old man wearing a mohawk is, like, it's so vivid. I can't even compare it to, like, there's, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm vibe to the whole thing, but the gag is totally different. We assumed that the GM was going for a vote of confidence until he opened the door and saw the mohawk. Which is <laughs> definitely <laughs> possible. The idea of being, like, I promise you, like, he's serious about this. He understands the gravity of the situation. <laughs> and, like, he comes in and he's got one of those nose piercings, just the septum, like a little, like a bull ring. And they're like, no, all right, this isn't working. Sorry. My bad. Uh, can you explain this tweet for me? When you ordered from Home Field Apparel, they sent you a shirt with your own tweet printed on it? Yeah, it was a, it was like a little gift. It was, so the tweet, which had its tenth uh, anniversary, is like a dumb Stephen A. Smith tweet that I did in 2012. That has a, a sort of a cult following. So the I should tell you too, the home field purchase that I made was after Rutgers won their first NCAA tournament game since I was like literally a young child. And so that was for sure like a drunken impulse buy on the first night of the NCAA tournament, like last year. And they, I, I guess, like whatever, we're able to identify that it was my email or something like that. So, yeah, they sent me a T-shirt um, with an image of that tweet on it, which is very thoughtful, but it's also the sort of thing where it's like, it's not like Aerosmith performs and, like, Steven Tyler's wearing just an Aerosmith T-shirt that you could get out in the arena. Like, you have to, I mean, he's wearing, like, a thousand scarves because he's Steven Tyler, but it's just like, I can't wear a thing with, like, my face on it or my own words on it. I feel like that's a bridge too far. That's Come on. Pretty famous, though. It is. I mean, is it? come on. I mean, well, it, it, it's, it's it one of those is. things that, like, it was a big tweet for the time, but now the way that, that Twitter works is every day somebody posts, like, sitting in a plastic chair just hits different, and it gets, like, 150,000 <laughs> likes. And that's a very, I don't, like, this is a fraction of that. Uh, all right. Give me uh, quick thoughts on the NBA Finals. Do you think the Celtics have any chance to win two in a row and steal the series? See, if it were not the situation that they have to win two in a row. Like, I think they, they could win another one. I feel like it's just because they, they're doing stuff right. It's just both teams are, are very good. I think that, like, that opportunity in game four, uh, the blown fourth quarter, I think probably, like, 
vibe-wise is the killer for me. That like it's just hard to see a team coming back from like a collapse like that. And yet, like you know, they were right there with it. Like third quarter, if you'd asked me with three minutes left in the third yesterday night, like do they have a chance at winning this thing? I'd be like, yeah, of course. They, it's just even on a game where like Steph isn't making shots, even like when they do so much other stuff right, like. I guess it's just a question of like having that margin for error, and it just doesn't seem like they've they've quite gotten there yet. I'm not ruling anything out. I mean, I think like the core of that team is good and getting better. You know, I mean, I think Robert Williams will be healthier, hopefully, and you know, better next year. But this is a long way of saying no. I don't think they're going to win the finals. <laughs> like, I just don't. I don't see it. Uh, and it's going to be strange when people look back at this and it's like, you know, two Andrew Wiggins games framing like one big Steph game, but like it's athleticism there. I think that like, you know, the Celtics have an edge in that area. If it's not for Wiggins, and he's been great. I wouldn't have expected that from, you know, having watched him in Minnesota or anything or having watched him when he started out in golden state, but it's, it seems pretty clear to me that that's the edge that they've got at this point. This could be another turn where if Wiggins keeps playing like this, that Steph again won't be a finals MVP. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's right. I think like Steph actually played, people are making a big deal. And I think justifiably so out of the over nine from three yesterday, he played a terrific game facilitating. I mean, it's like eight assists. I think he had either one or zero turnovers. It's just, you know, that's not the thing that necessarily gets you there. And I don't think he's, you know, with some exceptions, you know, like I don't think he's really been their most important player again, which is, you know, it doesn't take away from his legacy to me that he's going to have won all these championships without having won a finals MVP. Like I think in some ways it enhances it, but in another sense, it's going to be weird to look back and it's like Andre Iguodala and Andrew Wiggins have finals MVPs and Steph Curry doesn't. It, like you have to be there barely begins to describe like explaining that to somebody. Well, I think if Andre Iguodala gets another three minutes in game <laughs> six, they should give it to him. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was so strange to see him out there too. It's like if the heat started playing, you got for some reason. They're like, we love, we love what he brings. Like he remembers the eighties so well. And like, I don't know that that's like necessarily uh, a deciding factor. Although, you know, whatever he can say, he got his warm ups off in the NBA finals, which is, you know, I can't say that. All right, David. Uh, I look forward to July in your dishwasher, and hopefully, there's more problems to keep this going. I look, I don't want to promise anything, but I will go ahead and promise it. There's going to be many more problems. Oh, fantastic, David Roth right. from Defector. Thanks, David, as always, we appreciate Thanks. it. So, Have a good one. Bye. There is David Roth on Tony Larusa and the NBA Finals. There's again, there's no way the White Sox don't fire Tony Larusa. No, like they. they they have, have to. to. I mean, they I, have to. I guess if they were to go on a winning streak right now. Yeah, if they now, win 10 straight, then maybe not. But they doesn't look like they're available for 10 straight. I think they won last night. So there's one. Maybe they can Nine more? Going. I don't yeah. think so. Just just win this entire week. I, but, God, he's you make that big of a like bad decision that immediately backfires. The crowd's chanting, fire Tony. And your team is just... Under like they're probably the biggest disappointments in all of baseball. Like they they were supposed to win that division by easily. Like it wasn't supposed to be like there was even a number two team, and they're in third place. So there's there I can't think of a single thing to point to as to why you would keep Tony Larusa around. Gonna have to win I nine love in a row, David. Tony, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you doing, like. Tony? That was I mean the when he walked Trey Turner. Trey Turner. 
there was somebody in the crowd who yelled just like that. Like he had two strikes, Tony, like who thought he was informing Tony La Russa that he had two strikes. Cause Tony might've forgotten cause he's like well, 77. Well, there's a good chance. Right. He might Exactly. The guy in the crowd thought he was being helpful. Like, no, Tony, he's got two strikes. <laughs> Bring him back. He's not, he's got a new hitter. Strike him out. All right. Coming up next. We'll jump into the NFL because Baker Mayfield going to get traded. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. The Jester's theme. What? The Je- were you leaving, listening? Coming I was back? not listening. No. Silver Knights holding um, uh, auditions for the Jesters. Oh. Got a few Jesters around here. Just a few. <laughs> Got to let Jared just wandering around the <laughs> yeah. premises, spying saw, on Danny. I saw him again. Yeah. Walking back and forth. Maybe he's the, the Jester. Maybe he's, he's the Jester. He's trying That's what out. He's doing. He's got Jester tryouts soon. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, we got a report this morning. John Jones of CBS Sports says, as many camps begin today for the Browns and Panthers, trade talks between the teams continue surrounding quarterback Baker Mayfield, per sources. The main issue remains Mayfield's salary and how much or how little each team will pay. So Baker Mayfield has one year left on his rookie deal. It's like $18 million is how much he's going to get paid this season. He is not under contract for after this season. So the idea here, and this is a conversation we have about the Golden Knights quite a bit, is can you trade him and the Browns essentially pay some of his salary to get a better asset in return? So are the Browns willing to pay? I don't know if the NFL has rules on how much they can and can't pay, but are they willing to pay half of it to get a better asset in return for Baker Mayfield? That might be the best thing to do if you're the Cleveland Browns because you can eat some cap space by paying Baker Mayfield and get a what's the asset? Get of a pick, third that, or fourth rounder right, for and him. That's the question. I'm obviously they haven't traded him yet, which would imply to me that nobody was willing to give up anything for him and his entire salary. So does that right. mean if you're going to pay half of it? Does that get you as high as a third or does that simply get you a fifth round pick? For I Baker don't know Mayfield? because I think both have leverage and one of the leverages uh, Carolina doesn't have is they have Sam Darnold. So, okay. from a They Car- also have Matt Corral, but I don't know if he's ready to start right, right now. From a Carolina perspective, I think you can give up on Sam Darnold. Yes. I don't think you need to. They, they gave him the one shot, got away from, from Gase. Sam Darnold, not any good. From the Carolina perspective, I think... It makes a lot of sense because Baker's got one year left on his deal. So you're not trading for somebody with any sort of long-term commitment. You're right. trading for one year. If you trade for Baker Mayfield and you play him, you know, the whole season, and he's good. Like, Baker Mayfield's had some moments in his career where he's, where he's good. And mm-hmm. you'd say, oh, he might actually be something. If you get that from him this season then you can sign Baker Mayfield to a whatever three, four year deal. And Baker Mayfield can be your quarterback going forward. If he doesn't work out, then I think you're perfectly fine saying, okay, let's see what we have in Matt Corral now. That's how I would approach it. Because you have a year of Corral behind Baker, no matter what. Right. That's how I would probably approach it. Now, I do think if you're the Panthers, there's also a reason to just simply start Matt Corral and see what you got right away. Because, let, let me ask you this. They get Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield plays well. Are they going to the playoffs? 
Probably not. Yeah. So I think there's reason that you could you could just say we're starting Matt Corral. We're going to live with it. He's got the, the whole results. season. Yeah. Let's see what we've got. If he's great, awesome. We've got our quarterback. If, if he's he not, sucks, he's a rookie. Then you already know. Right. We can move on or whatever. And there's no real. It's not like uh, the Raiders doing it, where the Raiders are expecting to go to the playoffs. Right. right. The the Panthers missing the playoffs. That's what we all expected. So I think there's a legit argument for just starting Matt Corral to see. But I think it's perfectly fine to trade for Mayfield, especially if you're given, especially if they're paying salary and you're still only giving up like a fifth. I got to look that up because we talked, like you said, we talked a lot about the Golden Knights picking up salary. In the NHL, you can you can retain, you can retain. half the salary, right? It, but that's the max. And the way they they did it with Robin Leonard, he got traded actually to Toronto. So Chicago retained half. They traded him to Toronto. Then Toronto retained half of what was left. And then they traded him to Vegas. So Vegas only ended up paying a fourth of his contract. Uh, so that was their fun little manipulation a couple of years ago. But in the NFL, you can pay salary. I don't know how much that actually matters in terms of salary cap or what the number is or if there's a max on it. But if you're if you're the Panthers, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to do this, If you, especially if the Browns are going to pay salary and you're still not giving up a premium pick. I think there's a lot of reasons to do it. On the flip side... Should the Browns do it? Well, they've given up on him. They flipped the script on him, right? I mean, they 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 signed you know who for two hundred fifty million. They signed a backup that essentially could play in his stead when he gets suspended because we know he's going to get suspended. So, I mean, I think they've. I think you're right. I think they've tried and tried, and no one's no one's bitten. So maybe this is as close as they've come. I wonder I just, what the pick would be coming what, back. If I'm the Browns, I probably don't care about paying the salary. Obviously, it's not my money that I'm paying. But like, right. if I'm the Browns, I'm like, whatever. We got to pay $9 million or whatever. That's fine. If they were to get, I'll just say a third or a fourth, I think they should, they should have it done already, right? If Carolina's like, yeah, pay half his salary, we'll give you a third round pick, trade should be done already right. if you're Cleveland. If it's a fifth or later... Maybe you hold out and say, well, we're not going to pay half of it or something like that. Or or can you make it a fourth? Maybe you hold out a little bit there. Because, again, it is a quarterback, right? Like, we're not yes. – we talk about – And it's not an awful quarterback. Right. We talk about, like, Josh Jacobs and uh, there's no value for running backs. Like, there's legitimately no value. There's value for quarterbacks. Yes. These guys get traded for multiple yep. firsts all the time. And Baker Mayfield, while, again, not a top 10 guy, he's not bad. He's not just – God awful. So there's, they should be able to get more, but they have zero leverage when making this trade.